Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are sock full of that, man. Go right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz, come strong. But don't come at all. In the immortal words of Lou Brown from Major League, Three in a row is a winning streak. So I guess four in a row means you're on a roll. Texas is now a four-game winning streak, the longest for this program since 2013 after a 1914 win over Kansas State. We no longer have to talk about the streak. We no longer have to talk about the last time Texas won a football game in Manhattan, Kansas, being when Rod Babers was wearing a jersey. Yeah, man. I, I, listen, I, I don't uh, claim any... Um, any, I don't care any pride from that win. I'm glad Texas got the win. I didn't want to be the last person to beat K State in the Little Apple. Right. It's not like the undefeated Miami Dolphins where we pop champagne every time Texas loses at K State. No, <laughs> I'm happy that Texas got the win. It was ugly. We knew it was going to be ugly. Yes. Um, and Texas, hey, it, it, it's hard to win there because we hadn't done it in 16 years. So to me, hey man, that, that's gross. Hate we'll, to sound like Tom Herman. We'll gross. discuss the K State win and get ready for our favorite week of the year. It's OU week, eleven o'clock Cotton Bowl on Saturday morning. Gosh, and this is you know mm. both teams are ranked for the first time since 2012. That game didn't go so yeah. well for Texas, but this is the first time, guys, in a long time, like on a Monday, yeah, man. that I felt it. Like, man, it's OU week. Yeah, game. Yeah, ESPN game day is going to be in town. I agree. That's big. It fit, well, see, that's that's part of being the uh, you know bringing both of you know bringing both of these programs back to the point where both of them, Oklahoma's done their part, where both of them are nationally prominent, and where the national title conversation at least goes through the Texas OU game at one point. You have to have it, and that's why game days in town. That's good. Well, game it. game days in town largely because Texas is on a roll, four in a row. And let's talk about this K State win, guys. Rod, as you said, it was ugly. I didn't think Texas was going to cover. That was more doing with my respect to K-State and Bill Snyder and how tough it is to beat K-State at home. You want evidence of how tough it is to beat K-State at home? Try beating a team that's not charged with a single penalty the entire game. Which I I don't think I've ever seen that before um, in a college game. But, hey, I will say this. That's a little bit of home cooking. That's the kind of crazy stuff happens with the Purple Kryptonite, man. That's the kind of adversity you have to overcome there. And that's kind of what that game was about, kind of overcoming adversity. That was a big part of it, too. It's a kind of win, though, that shows growth in team, Rod. They got up early. It's really like Texas hasn't won games before under Tom Herman. They got up early and then had some adversity, had to come back late. And where you see the growth is I'm not sure the team we saw last year or the team we even saw against Maryland, I'm not sure they win that game. Maybe they find a way to lose it. Maybe the defense gives up an explosive play. Or Sam Ellinger turns the ball over. Or something just inexplicable happens. Mm -hmm. But the defense gets a stop. K-State has to punt the ball in the fourth quarter with 6.20 left on the clock. And K-State never got the ball back. Texas goes and kills the last six and a half minutes off the clock with a 10-play, 36-yard drive. We talk about this team finishing, finishing strong, finishing in a physical manner. Guys, this is the second week in a row 
where Texas walked off the field against two opponents that pride themselves on being physical, TCU and K-State. When Texas walked off the field and you said, yeah, Texas probably was the more physical football team. Yeah, when we're talking about the growth of the team specifically, I think you have to start with Sam Ellinger. Because, you know, he's bragging now about being able to kneel the ball at the end of games. Right. Yeah, yeah, which is, I think that's growth. Remember, you know, uh, you got to go back to the Maryland game where he tries to explain away uh, a pick late in the game by saying, hey, Mm -hmm. man, I was was just trying to make a play. You know what I mean? I was just trying to go out there and, um, you know, and and, and help the team, that kind of thing. Well, you know what I mean? that's, That's great. But he was trying to do too much. Um, wasn't trusting his teammates enough. Um, these last drives where he's able to close out games, it's all about trusting his teammates. He's spreading the ball around, not trying to do too much, and most importantly, he's not turning the football over, and he's not hurting his team. What does he have, 128 pass attempts now without an interception? Yep. Third longest streak um, in in Texas football history. That's growth by Sam. I think he's, he's lifting his baseline. You know, the, some players, and you know what, Deshaun Jameson is a primary example. Young players have this roller coaster of development mm-hmm. where you can see the highs in Deshaun Jameson, the punt return for a touchdown. Yeah. You see the highs. You're like, man, that guy's phenomenal. And then you see the lows. Literally mm-hmm. a couple, few plays later, maybe a quarter later, they give him the reverse, and he decides he wants to be Deion Sanders. And it was and actually a recep- uh, reception. So it was like a was negative 17. Because uh, of the barely yeah, new technicality. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it just goes down as like a negative 17-yard yeah. pass, which makes no sense. Which makes no sense. Yeah, but you know what I mean? That's him trying to do way too much but being a young player so with Sam that was the case last year too and we would see the roller coaster right you see the highs in the Oklahoma game uh, but also the lows of the, the late turnovers versus Tech and versus Oklahoma State he doesn't have those late turnovers late in games anymore he's closing out games that's growth from Sam and here's where I think part of the growth is Rod we looked at it in their this staff is beating teams in different ways in terms of this offense isn't explosive, but I felt like – and Tom Herman admitted during the K-State game they got conservative, and he, if he had to do it over again, he probably wouldn't have for the middle portion of that game. Yeah. But you look at it, they've had three pretty distinctly different game plans against USC, against TCU, and against K-State. But this staff is getting much better at, number one, scouting beforehand and coming into the game with a really good plan, and two – identifying their playmakers. That's something we've talked about, but now with Keontae Ingram, with Lil' Jordan Humphrey, and with Colin Johnson, for the first time in a long time, Texas has skill guys that defenses have to account for, that yeah. defenses actually are worried about having to defend. No, I agree with you on that. I think you got guys, we talk about it all the time, certain guys that move the chain, certain guys that change the game. Uh, Keontae Ingram is now one of those guys in the backfield. Uh, he's just got a burst. He's got a quicker step. You know what I mean? He can... He gets skinny at the right time. It's weird. He's got a strange body type to me for running back because he's not that big. He looks like he's big, but he's really not that big. His you know body I mean? type is real similar to the, like a DeMarco Murray type. Yeah, guy. you know what I mean? Like he's, cut, yeah. yeah, like he's not that big, but he's, you know, he's, he One gets skinny at the right time. Yeah, but it's, it's, his, it's his burst that separates him from the rest of those guys. And I agree with you, Lil Jordan Humphrey. And that's going to be big in this game. Lil Jordan Humphrey, and I know we'll, we'll get into the Texas OU game more, but Lil Jordan Humphrey and Colin Johnson. I mean, that OU secondary is susceptible, vulnerable yeah. to the pass, but not only that, to big receivers. You go, you go look at what uh, Hakeem Butler did for Iowa State against them, mm-hmm. yeah. and, you know, go look at uh, what Jalen Hurd did against them in uh, Denzel, Denzel, Denzel Mims. Denzel Mims. I mean, those are big receivers. It seems to me there's a trend. Big receivers have a lot of success against that OU pass defense. 
we got two of the best big receivers in the country. Yeah, and y'all brought up Ingram, and it's sort of worth pointing out. You look at him right now already, a guy averaging over six a carrier. If you look at highlight yards, he's leading the team. And if you think about it, that's a hampered version that's also as diminutive, the smallest version that we're going to have from a true freshman. So we're saying this is the – floor of what he is and the potential and his floor is better than all the running backs Texas has had in recent memory since Deontay Foreman and the best production we've had definitely since Deontay Foreman and that's hampered and so young that he's just basically having to pick up concepts is the only thing keeping him off the field the thing you like about Keontae Ingram is you know running back as we say all the time is one of those positions maybe the most prominent position where you can tell really early whether a guy's got it or not, how yeah. good he is, because it translates pretty well. Deontay Foreman was like two carries at first. It, it was like, like 39 and not even Not yeah, even the two exactly carries. Right. I mean, Rod, you and I talked about it on the Rodcast yeah. this week. We were hearing in preseason, yep. his true freshman year, like, hey, I know you were talking about Jonathan Gray and Malcolm Brown. Uh, Foreman kid, he's, kid he, he's good. The guy yeah. out there, Casey Studdard, said it during that. It was, I think, that Rose Bowl show or one of those shows, and he was just like, oh, yeah, no, that kid's good. Yeah, exactly. No, I agree with you. And I know Tom Herman said, you know, we're trying to make sure that he learns all the different concepts and how the, the blocking schemes and how the block is supposed to set up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's about vision, instincts, and footwork, and usually those things kind of come with the package. Yes. You know, you know, you can All those things it. come. They all kind of come. You know, I, Kyle gonna... Porter recently, uh, Tom Herman admitted that he may want to invoke I guess that's the new word now. If you go forward, invoke like his red shirt. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's what the players are doing. They're basically like, because you I mean, finally invo- have a right to. Do yeah, something. he has a right to invoke. So he's invoking his red shirt, and you know, he's a guy. We, you could every everybody saw pretty early. Oh, he doesn't have the burst of you know some of the other backs. Yeah, and you know, he has he's a certain kind of back. So yeah, I think at running back position, you know, as long as the guy can stay healthy as a young guy, and it's weird that even Mac Brown had the same issue. You didn't want to put Sad Vincent out there it's early, insane. and it's like. No, young you running backs. You got a finite amount play. of carries, man. Yeah. These guys, you let might not go. even get them till the end. Just yeah. get them out there and see what you got. I agree. And Keonta Ingram grasps conceptual football really well because the offense he played in in high school was a pro style offense, and he had That's learned awesome. early on about protections and mm-hmm. blitz pickups and nuances yeah. in the passing game. So I, I think he's going to be fine. But that means he should be on the field probably all the time going forward. Right, if he's healthy. He's only been off because I guess he was they, changes the, the offense. Yeah, man. he literally changes the dynamic yeah. of the offense. A guy like that. You got to find a way to put him on the field more. And I know he's been limited because of injuries, but that's up to the coaches. You got to figure out now more creative way. If, if he's a little bit hampered, then maybe you don't give him the ball by banging him around as much um, inside the tackles. Maybe you find other ways in the passing How game. How they to threw give him, him the ball. this week for the yeah, first time. Maybe he's a jet sweep guy at times. You know what I mean? Like you got to find other creative ways right. to get him on the edge and give him the ball by not, you know, giving him kind of the, the, the straight up pounding from running inside the tackles. I want to go back to Sam Ellinger for a minute because I talked about the game plans. I talked about the fact that he's got. Got skill guys, defenses now have to account for that defenses fear, and it makes it easier to distribute the ball when you've got guys that you trust to go make plays. But, Rod, people that knock Sam Ellinger that say, well, yeah, he's growing, but the numbers aren't great. No, he's, he's got to get that post route. I know. Right. He's leaving some meat on the bone. And Is he perfect? Absolutely not. Are there yeah. areas where he can still improve and get better? Absolutely. But the thing you like about Sam Ellinger, there's two things that you love that we haven't seen from Texas quarterbacks in clutch moments in a long time. Number one, he's taking care of the football. Mm-hmm. And number two, when they need him to go make a play, he's making it. You know, yes. That third down pass he hit to Colin Johnson on that last drive, that that sealed the game. He, I mean, he's been clutch on third down. He actually you know, is like one of the best third down quarterbacks in the Big 12. He's really, it's been really good at just converting. Whereas I think last year he was one of the worst. Yeah, no, yeah exactly. And so I, I, I'm with you. I, 
I think that he's not to say he's been clutch yet because he's got to do it in, in a bigger game, I guess. But I think down the stretch, like, like you said, he has made the 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 right play and he's made it at the right time. And yeah. yeah, he's not a championship quarterback yet because you got to hit that post route when that guy's open. Devin Duvernay, we understand that to be a championship quarterback. But right now, he's playing at a level good enough for them to win games. We haven't seen a Texas quarterback kind of take this trajectory, this upward trajectory, really since David Ash in 2012 was the last time we saw it. And Only and they're, they're two yeah. different guys because Sam Ellinger, I think we can all agree the intangibles. Those intangible qualities when you talk about leadership and moxie and all that stuff, I think he's on a much higher level than, than David, David Ashworth. Personality, because yeah. that's what we Ash talked about. Yeah, and, you know, Mac Brown always talked about. Brian Harson always talked about. They're trying to get that out of him, trying to make him be a leader. Well, there's only yeah. so much you can like ask of your quarterback to become that guy. Yeah, he's you just change kinda, his personality, right? Yeah. You just have to naturally kind of be that guy. And I think Sam naturally is just that kind of guy. And, and you know, we'll see. I, the thing I like about him going forward is. He's been in this OU game. He knows what this environment's going to be like. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to be you know, a shock to him. He'll come in, should come in, and you're mentally prepared and understanding what's ahead of him. But, Rod, I want to go to this defense against Kansas State. And it's kind of some give and take. You know, was, were there some breakdowns in a passing game in the second half? Yeah. yeah. But here's two things I like about this defense. Last week against TCU and this week. And really, starting really in the second half against USC. When they're giving up explosive – well, let me start first with with run defense. Mm -hmm. K-State earned every yard they got on the ground. Like, this team isn't getting gashed against the run. And, when again, when you can go match physicality with TCU, you can go match physicality with K-State – I trust that you know you're going to be pretty yeah, good. They defending want to the run slow the game down. Oddly, play. it sets up well for this game against OU. That's very true. <laughs> it's very uh, odd. They they well, they want to play it in a phone booth. Right. They want to play the game inside the phone booth and Texas and, and take their shots. Texas is is comfortable doing that. They're comfortable. Texas, as as you pointed out, Texas is they're not really a prolific offense. They don't even when they're when they're when everything's clicking. It's not really designed to score a ton of points. It is consign- designed to control the ball, yeah. which when they get into their four-minute offense at the end of those games, and man, they can be brutal. They can wear, They basically can just, just milk the entire clock. This last half of the fourth quarter just yeah. disappeared. They just, yeah, they can do that. They have this that is the identity of what Texas is right now, and this will evolve because I think this is, you know, Tom Herman doesn't the, – the, It's I, I compared it to like that – Dialogue at the end of the Dark Knight, where Commissioner Commissioner Gordon is telling his son, "Like, yeah, he's the hero Gotham needs, Gotham deserves, just not the one it needs right now." Yeah, this is this isn't the identity Tom Herman wants, but it's the one he needs yeah. right now to win games. No doubt, Texas is doing what K State's done for years. They're just doing it with better personnel. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Yeah, no doubt about it. Especially the way and I, you know they the way they're utilizing you know Sam. Too is that you know Sam is a football player. That's why you know Sam gets to, to throw back passes and stuff yeah. like that. You know they're gonna throw stuff like that in for Sam all the time, just because, like I said, he's a football player. You need a constructive outlet for some of his, you know, for that bam bam, bam Sam bam, to come bam. out. Yeah, you know what I mean. So I think that yeah, I I love the way they're right now using the offense. I do. I think it's and now I would like it to be more prolific, but I'm with you. Those are just my expectations. I got to keep them reasonable. And that the thing is. As long as they can they control the game, and that's what they've been doing, yeah. you really can't ask for much more of it. And they're force-feeding the ball to playmakers. We want to see more Keontae Ingram. They're, mm. they're force-feeding the ball to Lil' Jordan Humphrey and Colin Johnson. 
really there, beautiful thing. This is this was never. I think people that are waiting on this offense to suddenly like be the 08 offense they are. and just take off. It's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. that's and, not what this offense is going to be. Yeah. Matt, can you go over just some metrics to kind of show? Because we're we're five games into this thing, so we should have a pretty good idea. Yeah. You're of in what a this four off- game winning streak of what this it, offense is it, and what it is. Yeah, yes. exactly. And if you look at overall, like say whenever you look at it, standard down, not a passing down. Top 25, staying on schedule, being efficient, which is exactly like you're saying, yeah. being, and that also lends you to good third down situations. Like you're talking about how Texas is good on third down. Well, right now, average third down distance, Texas is sixth in the nation, shortest to go. And then third and short percentage, that instead of looking at just the quantity, but actually go and look at percentage of the times that Texas is in third and short, they're 19th in the nation. And even when you get into third and down and long, like you said, with Sam's ability, when they're in third and long, their success rate is 25th in the nation. So if your success rate on third and long is 20, top 25, then you're getting into third and short more than anybody. That means you're keeping those chains going, which lends us to see those standard down efficiencies. Now the one thing, look at the explosivity. Texas 126th in the nation in rushing explosivity and the explosivity when you look at standard downs 118th in the nation which means we aren't just bad we are at the bottom of all the teams not even power five teams so we don't explode but the thing is is we don't need to that just shows why turnovers mean so much we shorten these games Tom Hurton cited a seven possession game he couldn't remember last time they had something like that so that means think about it you turn it over twice you have five scoring. That that is literally like thirty percent. Thirty percent of your possessions, yeah. you're handing it over. If they get points off of that, that means you have to maximize. So it just shows that you can really do this against good teams and make them not as potent, which is awesome against Oklahoma. But it also shows your your errors are going to be magnified. It's what we've been talking about. Just happy to see that this team is performing well instead of in those situations last year when those mistakes were just. Brutal. I, I, I like yeah. what you bring up, Matt, about the third and longs because that shows growth in this offense from the standpoint that when they get into lulls they've now got playmakers that can get them out of those lulls and a quarterback that's protecting the ball that eventually he's going to find an open receiver or a running lane or something that's going to get a drive going so that that to me is the most positive thing I've seen about this offense because think back to last year how many times did we see this offense get into a lull where it's just this rut of just five three and outs yeah. in a row yeah. and you're just not doing anything yeah and now the three and outs have gone down significantly mm-hmm. and now they're able to take these lulls rod which might now be instead of five or six drives which is the bulk of the drives you're going to get in the game now it might be one or two and then it's a sam ellinger run or a great catch by colin johnson or a keontae ingram run off the goal line that now Boom! You're and while you might not score on those drives, at least now, okay, we're out of the rut. We yeah. we've got some things that are going. Drive. We're back on track. Yeah, it's a productive drive. You can get guys in the rhythm, and you can also start to see, you know, the, what you can exploit later on. That the, the thing that hurts you with three and out. So many things hurt you with three and out. But one of them is you don't have a sample to figure out what is working. Right. Because like, nothing's working. It's like, well, how do we figure out in a constructive way? How do we figure out how to attack them? How do we come up with a plan of attack to adjust? And you really have nothing. You kind of got to freestyle it. When you put together productive drives, yeah, you may not score on time or you may just get a field goal, but then you figure out, damn, we got to go back to the, what was working on that third drive, man. We, we, uh, we went off the right edge like three times and got seven, eight yards a pop. You know, you can figure out things that work. So I, I think for Texas – you can start to see – that's why they start to make some better adjustments, at least not in the K-State game, but on the offense, we're starting to see them make better adjustments too. Right. 
I think. And I that's why they were able to put together those those drives to be able to kneel and, and, and basically put a nail in the coffin late in games. And just to wrap up that offensive side thing, I didn't mention the passing offense. Also, I, if you were to say Texas would be 36th in the nation, nation in passing efficiency, that would surprise me coming into the season. That just on prior yeah. And that's where Texas is at right now. Now, yeah, we'll see where it goes. But you get into the Big 12, that's very good. Now, if you could just add a couple of explosivity or if you get a special teams touchdown or a right. pick six that we saw from Stearns and stuff like that, those things can suck. Supplement your lack of explosivity on offense when you can actually turn. Those well, Tom Harmon's teams are great at scoring down offensive touchdowns. And that's good. And yeah, Texas I mean, that's is good when they're an underdog. They so good stuff. Yeah, adding up. They have been our Todd Orlando's defense. And you realize you're two yards. Caden Stern stepping out of bounds at the two yard line on an interception return against TCU away from having three games in a row where you've had a non-offensive touchdown. Yeah, you had the block field great goal point. return against SC. Great Stearns point. nearly had the interception return against yeah. uh, TCU, and then now with the John Jamison punt return. All by freshman. Uh, against, yeah, all by freshman. Yeah, that uh, wasn't here last year. The Sean Jamison punt return against K-State. And Rod, wow. I want to focus on the punt that return. Is, now that is it's telling. replacing your Holton Hill or whatever. I want to, we were watching I want to focus on the punt return really quick because I'm glad, and, and I'm sure it was this way last year. We didn't really hear about it under Charlie Strong, but it was this way under Mac Brown. The posse is back, and it's a thing. The posse for years was the punt return slash punt block team. And back in your day, it was like a badge of honor to be a member of the posse. Yeah, it was uh well Coach Aquina was the coach for the posse, so you know Coach Aquina was I mean he's a madman about everything. <laughs> so he started recruiting like uh like the best players to be on the posse. Like made it like this What's the Dwayne Aquina pitch to be on the posse? Uh team? well it was like ah, man, you wanna be on what that you wanna be on a special team unit with the baddest mother <laughs> out here, man. We got all the money makers, we got the playmakers, man. Everybody's trying to be on this unit. So he would like Thank yeah, it was that. and it was. I mean, we got to the point where we started we were blocking I mean, we probably were one of the best punt return, punt block units in the country. It was the graphic on no ESPN doubt. for a decade was, is it, it Beamer Ball or Texas? Who has the most blocks in the no X doubt. amount of years? It was y'all had it for a brief time, and then Beamer Ball, he just keeps it up forever until, like, last yeah, year. Yeah, well, and I, I think a lot of theirs may have just been, you know, that's just a great culture they yeah. built there, and they do just have great special teams at Virginia Tech. It's known for that Beamer Ball. Y'all were the best in the nation. But I think ours, I don't know if it was necessarily that much of the scheme that was great. He just started – he started bringing the best athletes. Texas has access to the best athletes in the country. Coach Kim was like, now nah, we're going to put them all on the punt team. Hell, he had wide receivers and, 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 and safeties and DBs and linebackers, but it was the best. All the guys wanted to be on that team. So at one point, I think it was, like it was Michael Huff and like me and Nathan Basher. Hell, that was, a, I mean, it, was, it really was. It was intimidating out there. And we blocked a ton of kicks. Tony Jeffrey was on there with you me. You start looking at the guys on this Texas punt return team, not just Deshaun Jameson returning, yeah. Anthony Cooks on the punt return team, Josh Thompson on yeah. the punt return team, Joseph Osai. So your your big skill and your skill athletes. That yeah, are Josh some Thompson of, showed out in that punt return. That Man, anybody yeah. that missed it, go back and watch that because he makes the initial block right around the, the catch the, the catch radius, the halo area. Yeah. Makes a block there. And before Deshaun Jameson's across midfield, Josh Thompson passes him and makes a block in front of him to help him finish the run. Yeah, like, I mean, and that's and that's, that's what you, in essence what the posse is, right? Ryan? That's what the posse is all about. Yeah, because that that guy will get he should be getting more love even than the returner on you know what I mean when they watch the film. 
All right, that kind of hustle, because that's the reason that Deshaun James is able to take it. You know, was it ninety yards? Ninety yards, man, ninety yards. Yeah, uh, but yeah, so I I think it's great. Like, you, if Texas puts the best athletes on that team, they'll have one of the best punt return, punt block units in the country. It's just gonna happen because Texas has some of the best athletes. Period. And the thing about it is, we have starters on there, man. I, I, and they don't have a lot of starters on there. I don't think. They just have some great athletes. Man, we have starters on our unit. But this is where, again, you know I mean? those guys that they recruited in that 2017-2018 recruiting class yeah. that can't get on the field yet, this is a great way to no, do it. No, it is a great way to do it. I know. It's also sort but, of like how you saw a guy like I remember Michael Griffin. When I watch back all of these Texas games that they show all the time on LHN, and yeah. you'll see the freshmen. Like, and I still remember being a kid from Bowie when Michael's first game came in and seeing those guys on special teams. But it seems as if sometimes these freshmen, like say a guy like Stearns, uh, he may stay on as just because uh, – like. Michael and Huff, oh, they no became the weapon, and they love that role. In the same way that you see in the NFL, wide receivers like Antonio Brown and Odell Beckham being allowed two return kicks just because it's like, yeah, you're risking injury, but it's just another football play. So well, if we're going out there and you yeah. can score on this football play, he's a football player and yeah. put him out there. So if he wants to do it and has the energy, I wouldn't be surprised to see some of these guys, if that is the culture, sticking and staying with those roles the same way they did yeah. with Mac. You want playmakers on the field as much as possible. And those guys, man, they're just playmakers. Nathan Vash was just a playmaker. Just get the ball in his damn hands or keep him out there on the field. And he, he made plays all the time. So I think guys like that, who have those, those guys are instinctual. They're such great football players. Mm-hmm. Their instincts take over. And they want to so, play. Yeah, like you, exactly. You just got to let them go out. And special teams is all about, to me, it's all about guys who just have sheer athleticism. Like Josh Thompson, he's a guy that can show out on special teams. I think you let those guys go at it. I think it's, I think it's great. I really do. Um, I, I want to take a look at, uh, before we get into the OU game, I want to take a look at this K-State game, game again and, and get some final thoughts on it. And back to what we talked about. Oh, we can initially. go to the defense. So, yeah. and yeah. just to wrap out that special teams, I just found the stat. This was right after, right before the Texas US, USC game. But Texas from 2000 to 2005 blocked 43 kicks. It leads the nation. Yeah. So from 2000, whenever you yeah. all the way to that Huff team, 43 block kicks led the nation out of all the other schools. I'm Even telling, more than Beamer ball. Yeah. That was the graphic they used to always. Show. Yeah, it was because they put the best players, but also the best the starters got out there. Man, it really was. It was like and Mac Brown was a big part of that. I think he got embarrassed at the NC State game, but didn't coach. Chikina coming in also helped reinvigorate that culture. I think that's what happens when, you know, Texas is going to get back to being, you know, the best special teams unit in the Big 12 or one of them. It's going to be because they have the best players and some of the starters out there. Since night, since the start of the 1999 season, now three teams in the country have 100 or more non-offensive touchdowns. Kansas State has 104, had 112. Virginia Tech has 104. And Texas now has 100. Yeah, that's big. Yeah. And Texas hasn't had a lot of kickoff return touchdowns. Has, haven't had one since 2012. DJ you know I mean? Monroe against Oklahoma DJ State. We don't get so most of those touchdowns have either been blocked. I'm talking about the non-offensive ones. Obviously, defensive scores, but on special teams, they've been punt returns or punt blocks that have been returned for touchdowns because we don't have a lot of kickoff returns. And Tom Herman's touchdowns. had two blocked field goal returns. And That's before saying, like, DJ I, Monroe, I, I think we had like one. Maybe it was Victor Ike said, that, said when it, I played. Oh, you talking about kickoff returns? Yeah, kickoff returns. We don't have a ton of them. Like yeah. it's hard to remember them. Like I well, had. So one, I, I believe though the one after. Before DJ Monroe, because his freshman year in 09, we saw those, and he said that the last one was 12. No, but before that, I remember, I believe, 04, Selvin Young was the last one until DJ Monroe came. I believe before that, it was Victor Ike. And I believe before Selvin, it was Victor Ike was maybe the last one. Before that, yeah. So So we're talking about one Shipley return and a couple DJ Monroes since, like, 04. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. Anyway, random discussion about special teams. Yeah, we got deep on special teams. Yeah. Dicker the kicker. You got to make those kicks. Anyway, mm-hmm. move on. <laughs> 
So anyway, was what I was getting to before I stuttered all over myself because I was trying to read and talk at the same time, which I probably shouldn't do. I anyway, try to do that all the time. It's hard. Uh, it's hard. It's uh, sometimes. To wrap up the K-State <laughs> game. You don't want to just be spouting nonsense. No, to wrap up the K-State <laughs> game, and we'll transition into defense, and that'll take us in to talk about the Oklahoma game. Let's do it. I, I just – I'm having a hard time grasping, Rod, how people are, like, mad about this win. Like, Texas fans should know how tough it is to go win in Manhattan – this, they knew this game was going to be an ugly game. Yes, with a 19 nothing lead, would you have liked to have seen Texas score 30-something points and blow Kansas State out? Absolutely. How often does that happen? It, it never. Rare, rarely does it ever At happen. The lap never. Rarely never. does it ever happen. <laughs> never. To, I mean, no, I mean, what pl- played out was exactly sort of what we said. Exactly. Like I remember saying that we'd get out in front, and then Texas is going to give up their lead and then end up winning by a point. So, and, and, so I think this is go. just a win where just, look, just take it take the and, win, and be happy with it, take it and understand it wasn't perfect, but damn it, it's a win, and, you know, it beats the hell out of the alternative. Yeah, don't complain about it. It's four in a row. This was going to be K-State's last gasp. Like, and we talked about that, and I'm glad Tom Herman said after the game what we talked about going into the week. And he said Mac Brown told him, and Rod, I know that's something yeah. Mac used to tell you guys all the time. Yep. The K-State game you saw, the K-State team you saw on film against West Virginia and Mississippi State was not the same K-State team you're going to see on Saturday. That they was weren't. their that was their last gasp. Like, had they beaten Texas, they play Baylor this week, that turns our season around, and then all of a sudden, hey, we're feeling pretty good about ourselves sitting there, you know, four and two, and you know, mm-hmm. maybe we can do some nice things the rest of the way. Yep. Now, I mean, you kind of see where their season's headed, where now they got three losses, and you're thinking, okay, they need to win X number of games, or they need to beat such and such team to, to make sure they're both eligible and, and whatnot. So that just kind of shows you the desperate mode K-State was in. And for Texas to go win that game, man, again, it just says a lot about the growth of this team that I like the fact that they're built to win ugly, and it's almost like this team relishes the ability to, like, win ugly. No, 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 I totally agree. And I'm not – I'll play devil's advocate here. And, yes, I totally agree. Yes, I totally agree with you. I don't know why – Lohan fans are complaining about a win at K-State. I mean, are, you, are, we, are we there already? Are we, we started this show, not, and man. it was a decade <laughs> before we started this show back in 2012 that Texas had even won there. You were playing there. I Watch was playing. him the block how, field goal. Yeah, I'm, I'm about to turn 38. And, and uh, oh, actually, on Texas OU, uh, on the day we ah. played Texas OU, I turned 38. All right, so think about how long ago that was. But anyway, I digress. My, my point being, um, I think Lohan fans are upset. I mean, you think about it. That K-State tight end or whatever it is catches that touchdown pass, all right, or fourth down, all right, different situation, different game. Yep. It, you know what I mean? Like if you know, Chris Boyd, if they, just, if they just keep coming after Chris Boyd, I don't even know why they stopped. I, I would have just, just kept giving them just double moves and stutter moves. We'll talk about he, that here in a he second. Was having, he, was having, and I, he was having a crisis of confidence. <laughs> I can tell you as a corner, it was happening. Mm-hmm. Usually when you see a corner having that kind of crisis, you just keep coming. You just demolish Attack the it. confidence. You just keep attacking him because he's not trusting his technique anymore. You know what I mean? He, he's not trusting his technique anymore. He's, his eyes are all over the place now. He's, I would have trying to make up they for it. They him. didn't keep coming after him. I th- that, and they just started Skyler Thompson and sprinkled in Alex Delton as opposed to starting Alex Delton. And then putting in, and Scott that was Thompson. when Delton was best you, last time. Yeah, you probably got like a matchup more like last year, where that's what they did. Had Jesse Erson, they sprinkled in Alex Delton. That would have been a better recipe. Right. So there are it, 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 there are a few. If you don't have the non-offensive touchdown, <laughs> Dr. Sean James with a ninety yards, there are a, a and if Tom two, Herman does it again by his own admission. Get really conservative. If it's three or four plays mm-hmm. that really, and that every hell every coach will say, hey, three or four plays that get a the Darmanin's game. Three or four plays flip or one or two plays flip in K-State's way mm-hmm. in their favor, 
It's a different it's And a different that's what's result. sort of good because Texas so, loses is, that game yeah, normally. Exactly. My point is it could have easily gone the other way. So I can see some Lohan fans saying, you know, it, it that could have easily gone the other way. Going against OU, you maybe want more uh, – you, you, I would say you make more and more. I don't say a more substantial win, I guess. Right. But I'm with you. I, I take it either way. Yeah, and I think I it's more uh, maybe off of what your expectation is because it's you true. don't want to be results based, and I don't think we're being results based in it being that oh Texas won, it's all good because we always come in here and talk more so less about the actual results, but what yeah. played out on the way there and mm-hmm. the volatility involved. And it's good to see that this game was one where. You know, it's sort of what you expected, but if your expectations were different and you thought Texas should beat up this K-State team, that's sort of looking at the micro of this K-State team. You said that. But not the macro of it being a tough road game against one of the best coaches in the history of the game that plays everybody's sport. And both teams are going to try to shorten the game, so the narrow margins are going to be there. It is a bad K-State team. I think the way Texas fans should feel about the K-State game is the way Texas fans would have felt about the Tech game last year or yeah. the Maryland game this year if Texas had won. You say, man, that was ugly. There were times where it wasn't good. This team's got a lot to fix, but at least it's a win. This is a win. Yeah. You can, when, you, when you're critiquing a win, it's way better than critiquing a loss. You know what I mean? Like There's so much more you have to fix in addition to dealing with, the, with losing the game. So, yeah, they got to they gotta hit the post route on all that kind of stuff. Listen, there are things they got to fix, but – Hell, and you know Tim Beck wasn't with the team offensively, but you know I don't. People were, you know, and obviously we hope Tim Beck gets well because I think he just got released from the hospital, so he had an infection in his elbow. Yeah, which is trust me, I've had a staff infection, and I don't, I don't know if it's that kind of infection. Those Ooh. things are life threatening, by the yeah. way. Like you're literally, a, you know, some that thing getting in your bloodstream and you potentially could die. I mean, that's basically how it comes. So that's much more serious than anybody thought. Uh, but to the football aspect of it, hell, they might have missed Tim Beck. I mean, that offense wasn't one it less didn't coach. Look that I mean, similar one le- from I any other Texas offense we've seen. In theory, one less set of eyeballs doing their that, job. Yeah, it's that's going to be a little bit. Less. That's where I was going to you know go with I mean? that, Matt. Is that's where I think it. So it does matter. Where where it matters is I think clearly Tom Herman at this point trusts Tim Beck's eyes in the press box and the communication with Sam. He's hired to be the that coordinator of offense. That's the guy that talks to Sam. I mean, the only two guys you had in the booth were Drew Manager and Derek Wareheim. Yeah, I the bet that was a big Bouchel game. And yeah, if it is a collaborative effort of a backup like Bouchel in a situation like that, yeah, that's true. If but if it is a collaborative effort that he indeed he indeed says that it is, mm-hmm. yeah, of course you're gonna miss Tim Beck. So yeah, I think that's what it is. Jim. I think some Longhorn fans are looking at it from man, few, few plays different, and Texas could lose that game. We're looking at it like, hey man, that's a win at K State. You gotta take it. Go into the and OU game. Texas it would be horrible bad. to go into the OU game with a loss. The win is what makes it sexy. They're both ranked for the first time since what 2012. Game day's there. Yeah. So yeah. let's celebrate if Texas the W. Had played bad, I would be upset, but yeah. I don't even think they played bad. They just got a big lead and held on to it. Like I told you, Jeff, I had this team at four and one going into the Texas OU game. It just looks a lot different right. than I thought. Texas is four and one, and yeah, just don't look like I thought. When we look at OU, when we look at the big picture, you know, I, I thought if this, I had Texas at eight wins this season, I had them at nine. I had them at nine. I said if They're they well were, if, I said if they were going to get to eight, they had to at least be four and two, coming out of the OU game. 
Yeah. I, said, they, they, they were, I, I felt done. really. I felt good about them getting to eight if they were four and two coming out. And they're at least. In, they're at least going to be that. All that one weekend. and five talk at the opening of the season because that was hey, a reality too. I'm you just saying. And you know, by the way, Maryland not terrible. Football one game. Temple losses are going to drive you. Temple losses bad, but they're not a terrible football team. I thought they were going to be. When bad, they played it? us, they were better than us. That's all that matters. Just that like Mag Brown said, K State would be. We'll see. We'll see what happens when Maryland plays. You know, the Penn States and the Ohio States and the Michigans. Yeah, coming up. On their schedule. That's not be good. <laughs> you know what Maryland's thinking with this Big Ten move? Thank God for Rutgers. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but uh, when we start looking at the big picture again, you know, Texas, they're going to be in a good spot. And, you know, it, it's funny. I think as Texas fans and Oklahoma fans, I think we got spoiled, you know, during the, the Mac Brown, Bob Stoops era of the rivalry from the standpoint that those were two coaches that, like, they that that was they really embodied what this game's about just in terms of how they prepared for it, yeah. what they talked about leading up to the game. Like we we're talking about it after the press conference, and this is no disrespect to Tom Herman, but like man, I, I kind of miss Matt going in there on, on oh, yeah. OU Monday talking about what the game means to him, and you know he Old coached he coached, it, yeah. he coached at OU with with Barry Switzer yeah. on the staff, and he's seen it from the Texas side and Darrell Royal's perspective, and, and yeah, and, and I got that actually. Mac was on the ticket in Dallas. I was listening to the interview on the way up here, and that's what he talked about. He's like, it's one of the great traditions in college yeah. football, and it. went on and on, and you kind of missed that. Yeah, uh, like you know Tom Herman, he'll you know, probably be on game day. Oh know, yeah, he'll tell his story. Tom Herman tried to keep everything in perspective. And Lincoln Riley didn't even make his press conference this week because he was sick. Kale Gundy had to do the press That's conference. Huge. Oh, wow. That's huge. So, um, yeah, it's just it, that from that standpoint, it's a different feel. But, guys, this feels like what this game should feel like every year when we get to, to OU Monday. It, it's a big-time game. OU's unbeaten. Texas hasn't lost uh, since that Maryland game that we just talked about. But when you look at I want to start with looking at the defense, O'Rod. And when you talk about Chris Boyd. The one thing I like about the defense is while they are giving up explosive plays, they did against USC, they Mm -hmm. did against TCU, and they did against K-State, they're putting themselves in a position to stop them to where if it's a 39-yard pass, it's going for 39 yards. It's not going for any more. If it's a 20-yard pass, it's going for 20. It's not going anymore. That's going to be huge to try to make Oklahoma move the ball in as many plays as possible, not just three-play drives, two-play drives, four-play drives, and boom, touchdowns, because that means you're getting smoked on post-wheel combos like we saw last year. Yeah. There, Trust me, there's going to be a lot of double moves. There's going to be a lot of combination routes. Uh, Lincoln Riley is going to throw all that kind of stuff at this yeah, Texas secondary. I, I believe Oklahoma's top 10 in pass plays of 20, 30, 40, and 50 yards. I believe 40 and 50 yards. Are oh, like yeah, they're top, first in everything They're like, they're like first, I believe, in 40 and 50 yards, the top three, I believe. I mean, it, it, Number it, one but, in passing efficiency, number five in explosivity. So yeah. whatever metric you want, they're whatever top five in the nation. Whatever metric you want, they, yeah, they explosive plays in the passing game, specifically for them um, downfield. It, that, that is their forte. Their offense is built on it. So they're going to come after. It's going to be a big game for Chris Boyd and Devontae Davis and P.J. Locke. I, and you know what? They thank God that Kate Stearns. I you know I wanted to move him to nickel initially, but I my my thing about moving him to nickel is just move him around every game. I'd move him to where I need him most. In this game, you would need him at safety. You know what I mean? Like I want him over yes. the top. Like I, I so I would move if I was a DC, I would move from from nickel to safety. All right, in this game because I think I want him over the top for those explosive plays. And like you said, so the thirty nine yarder stops at thirty nine yards. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and with this group, I, I'm. 
I'm, I'm a little concerned about Chris Boyd. I think he will. We know Chris Boyd can cover. We know Chris Boyd can play at a high level. He's just having a little mini crisis of, of, of confidence, I think, right now. I think he can get over that in a week's practice time. I do have faith in that. But they're going to come after Chris Boyd. Even Todd Orlando said it. He said they're going to come after him until he proves that he's not going to fall for the double move. Boom. And they're going to just keep going at him with double moves until he proves that he can be disciplined with his eyes or more disciplined with his eyes. Devontae Davis, he hadn't really proven himself. They're coming after Devontae mm-hmm. Davis, too. They're coming after Chris Boyd. Why would you go after Brandon Jones and Caden Stearns? Why? Mm-hmm. Why? You would not. That would make any sense. Why would I do that when I can go after Chris Boyd, Devontae Davis, and P.J. Locke? So yeah. that's where they're going in the passing game. And that's why it's really great that the defensive line had their best game ever. Well, at least the starting defensive line had their best game ever versus K-State. Hell of a game for Brecken Hager. Hell of a game for Charles Mendo. I'm talking about NFL like caliber. Mm-hmm. I play on Sundays back type game. Back-to-back plays, back-to-back film. Type game. That yeah. first section <laughs> film when he almost got the taunting. Like that was it. The ability to close that space. They were literally eight yards it apart. It was amazing. All he did was lunge at him and he was already down. That, that was how long and that guy is. Yeah, that was freakish. The NFL's like, okay, I want that guy on my D-line. Now. So now you got that. those two guys playing at a high level. They're going to need it because you got to get pressure on Kyler Murray to keep him from, it was when he tries to go downfield and take those shots that you can put some pressure on them so the Texas DBs can make plays on the ball. So that symbiotic relationship between them being able to cover those wide receivers somehow, but also the pass rush negating time in the pocket or neutralizing Kyler Murray in the pocket, that's going to be big. That's, I mean, how Todd Orlando does it, how he decides yeah. to do it. And then in the end, how the hell do you stop Kyler Murray for when the play does break down totally yes. with the second leading rusher on the team from just, you know, deciding, oh, he's going to freestyle and improvise and extend the play. Those are, you got to solve a lot of different riddles, man, to stop that Lincoln Riley offense. This is where, you know, the injury report for Texas is the thinnest it's been this regular season. Thank God. Great but, news hearing that. But, as you would say, Roddy, Nicki Minaj, Kim Kardashian, Kardashian. Size, but yeah. when you look at playing, which they're going to need to play dime, and you look at this dime package, mm-hmm. getting B.J. Foster out of concussion protocol, that could be Big. the difference between a win and a loss, honestly. Yeah. Because that's basically a guy with defensive back speed and linebacker size by Big 12 standards that you can put close to the line of scrimmage. And you've like got a linebacker. as and many played since that hit, basically. As many athletic bodies as you can put in space to defend Kyler Murray, flood the field with speed. Yep. Yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of dime this week against Oklahoma. No doubt. Yes, you, the lightning package will probably be the base, probably from this point on, actually, in the Big 12. Considering you who you play, you already play K State. Yeah, you already play K State. You're in TC. You say you're done. You're, you've been who cares about Kansas? Whatever. They yeah, do. exactly. You're gonna be the dime. I, I agree. So I'm, I think this is the game you start, and you're right about BJ Force. You're gonna need him. Yeah, and you look at just the skill. You're talking about Murray and just the matchup. At least this wow. is the first time at Texas because I really think Texas has elite speed on this team and what we saw against TCU. So yeah. that's the one thing that makes me not be just deathly afraid because he's gonna butcher any team he faces. But we're one of the better. teams teams of a defense that can do that then when you're talking about Boyd his situation I just want to ask you as a DB because you rarely are able to jump in and ask like the mentality of a player but do you think there's any chance that in a game like Kansas State with Boyd's confidence being a better athlete than the opponent that that can lead you to make mistakes with your eyes when against Oklahoma and I mean Hollywood Brown or Lamb those dudes I mean they're you look at little Jordan Humphrey and Colin Johnson they have their own dynamic duo that is as potent of a two-man 
command 50% market share of yeah. the receptions. Those receivers are so damn good athletes that hopefully in this situation, maybe Boyd doesn't have that. And hopefully that was the issue. I just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, can, it, it can't happen. I think it's because uh, I think I've had some of my worst games against like Iowa State yeah. in the world back in the day. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I always had great games and on big stages. So, yeah, I think it could be something like that. I think in this game. Hopefully you'll see the best of Chris Boyd. He's a you know he's a he's a he's a senior now. I yeah. mean that guy he knows what Texas OU is about. This is it. this is the NFL. You want to put some and you're already on. leveraging your whole defense around him because yeah. he is that good normally. It's yeah. just this his performance. Is, this is the game the NFL scouts want to see. They want to see him go up against two dynamic wide receivers. So I agree with you. I, the thing with Kyler Murray is he hasn't seen speed like Texas. And he hasn't seen a defense this good. Yeah. He hasn't seen athletes on a D line as good. So that's why I think Texas does have a chance because it may just freak him the, out mm-hmm. seeing that kind of speed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, holy hell. He just hasn't been faced it yet. That, that's going to be a great He's always been for superior Texas. even at yeah. Allen or high school and college. We talk about the dime, but I think Todd Reynolds is going to have to mix up his looks. I think they'll play primarily dime, but I think you're going to want Jeff McCulloch in the game because of his mm-hmm. pass rush ability. And to me, here's. Just kind of looking at this defensive line, this is a game where you miss Puna Ford. And not that Chris Nelson's been bad because he hasn't been bad. Yeah, he's been pretty good, actually. But where you miss Puna Ford is you miss Puna Ford the disruptor. Chris Nelson's not the disruptor no. Puna Ford was. And this is one of those games where you could think about – and that Puna Ford played really well in the OU game during his career. Mm-hmm. And think about that 2015 game and even at times last year, how much pressure up the gut bothered Baker Mayfield. No quarterback like seeing pressure in their face. No. Puna Ford had a lot to do with that. And that's where you're going to miss. So that's why I think two guys you're going to see a lot of in this game, I think you're going to see a lot of Taquan Graham. Graham. I think you're going to see a lot of Marcus Bimmage because the difference between those two guys and Brecken Hager and Charles Aminahu, and I'm not knocking Hager and Aminahu as athletes. They, they've proven themselves that they, they're athletes and they can play on this level. But Brecken, but Taquan Graham and Marcus Bimmage, they're guys that can handle, they're big enough to handle playing a role of four INs in this three-man front, mm-hmm. but they're fast-twitch guys that can get off blocks and can make splash plays in the backfield. Yeah. That's why I think you're going to continue to see more of them based on their ability to do yeah, that. Yeah, and you'd love to be able to penetrate with just the front at times. Even if you're going to blitz, it still would help. If you can, if you can yeah. do that consistently, then I think Texas has a great chance to win this game. If you can do it at all. Uh, now, Iowa State, you know, that's kind of their blueprint, I mean, which yeah. they have uh, kind of popularized in the Big 12 with that front three and then uh, playing that dime and dropping back eight guys and it worked against Oklahoma that's probably the best opponent they played so far Mm -hmm. comparable talent but it's not this is the interesting the most interesting dynamic in this game to me is the Lincoln Riley versus Todd Orlando battle because this is round three for them think about it 2016 Oklahoma versus Houston Todd Orlando wins that one last year Lincoln Riley wins that one with the late touchdown pass from Baker Mayfield to Mark Andrews now it's round three and what Todd Orlando is going to throw at this Oklahoma offense, what he's going to throw at Kyler Murray. I can't wait to see it, right? because I've got to be thinking that he's saved a few it's, things. And it's got to be a lot of different things. Um, he's, he, I, I think he was called the master of art, the art of confusion by Clay Hilton. It'll be the zone pressures. It'll be Gary as the spy sometimes. He'll, sometimes Brandon Jones will come down and be the spy. When Daffy uses the nickel, as it, it's going to be a lot. He's going to throw a lot of random things at him. And with that speed, hopefully you just shock them. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. On the, on the offensive side, I, honestly, I think Texas may actually end up having their biggest advantage with the Texas offense versus their defense. 
their defense is terrible. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's really, really Matt, bad. You got some metrics on bad. how bad this it, OU defense is. This is as bad as it's been since Bob Stoops took over. I don't think it's ever been this bad since Stoops took over. No, it hasn't. Right? And it, yeah. It's sort of funny when you look at the two. It's like the bizarro strategy that, that Texas has employed, and it's basically do the opposite. And it's what George Costanza's <laughs> strategy was the to get women. It's like the only thing I can do to be successful is not do what they're doing. So that's basically what Texas's strategy is against Oklahoma because Texas very good defensively. Oklahoma 103rd in standard down efficiency. If you're looking at rushing efficiency, 88th in the nation. And then if you look against the pass, 103rd against it. Now they do limit. Big plays and explosivity, which is the total opposite of Texas. But Texas doesn't going, yeah, do that anyway. Yeah, yeah, so. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So we look at the offense, defense, all the way across the board. It literally is a Costanza game. <laughs> we, we've talked about the numbers, but the one thing you can always bank on with this game, what it boils down to, nine times out of ten, the team that wins the rushing battle, the team that takes care of the football, usually wins the game because I love saying this about this game. It is a Big 12 game. It is the closest thing to an SEC game that the Big 12 has. It is a yep. it is the ultimate line of scrimmage game in this league. And the reason for that is, unlike the rest of the Big 12, Texas and Oklahoma are the two programs that can recruit NFL-type talent along both lines of scrimmage. I agree with mm-hmm. that. Year in and year out. Yep. So they're, it's basically the best in the league against the best in the league. When you, Usually it should be anyway when you talk about offensive line talent going against defensive line talent. So this is... I mean, that to me is where – and you look at – really it started with Max last year and going through the Charlie years. Texas has been the more physical team in this series, guys. I mean, there was a time where we couldn't say that, but I think unequivocally you can say that since 2013, Texas has been the more physical team in this series. Mm -hmm. I I agree with you about the line of scrimmage thing, but I'm telling you, on the outside, those Oklahoma corners, man, Hmm. when you watched uh, what Baylor did to them, and I know they beat Baylor, but – Denzel uh, Mims and Jalen Hurd, I think they both had over 100 yards receiving. Both had a touchdown receiving. Akeem Butler lit him up. He averaged like 30-some yards a catch, I believe. It was like 34 yards a catch against that Oklahoma Oklahoma defense. I think Texas, big receivers, I think Texas can take some shots, man. They really do. They, they, I don't know why they just keep giving up these chunk yards. I don't think they even care about it either. They score so many points, doesn't matter. Yeah. But that talent is not as com- – I mean, they're, I'm sure that Jalen Hurd is he's a freak athlete. But mm-hmm. in terms of a combo, Lou Jordan Humphrey and Colin Johnson, I think Texas may be the biggest uh, – maybe the, I would say the best duo they've faced so far out of all those guys they face. You know what I mean? And, and Hakeem yeah. Butler. Hakeem Butler's great, but, you know what I mean? Lil Jordan Humphrey and Colin Johnson are both both Hakeem Butler skill set worthy. You know what I mean on that level. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just saying. And going back to Texas, when we talk about this offense, kind of like against USC and TCU, they don't have to be great running the football. They just have to do it well enough. And Matt, you talked about the efficiency earlier. Mm-hmm. They just have to run the ball well enough to keep the playbook open and keep the offense on schedule. No doubt. Uh, agreed. So. Let's go ahead and get predictions, man. This is my favorite week of the year. I love going to this game. Rod, I know you're not going to the game. You've got duties. Nah, I'm not this going weekend. to the game. Yeah, i got to do uh, stuff here. Matt, are you going this year? Nope, no? I'll be here. Preseason basketball, baby. All right. So, oh, I've, that's right. Brown, preseason, you're, you're getting ready for Matt's busy time of the year. Oh, it's already crazy. <laughs> so, it's preseason basketball. I love this game, man. I love <laughs> go walking to the fairgrounds and having OU fans flip me the bird when some realize who <laughs> I am. Oh, man. It's, last time I was there, an OU lady after the 13 game, I'm just smiling, not even talking, don't even know. And then she just yells, F you, and flips me <laughs> off in my face just because Case McCoy beat him. I'll tell you what, man. There is there's very few Nothing places like in it. life better to be than being on the midway the state fair after a texas win 
over OU because all the OU fans leave. Like, hey. That's what's great about that game is the losing fan base. They get the hell out of Dallas. They don't oh, yeah. stay around for the no, fair. No, you don't they leave. That. Yo, no. You own the city. Or you win. You've been just partying it's too long. To, it's time to get home. So the winner goes to spoils, baby. Yeah. As, I, as I've said, the first time I ever went to Texas OU, I'm walking through the parking lot, going to the gate at the fairgrounds, and I see a dude. And this is two hours before kickoff. I see some poor sap just face plant right <laughs> in the parking lot. And I'm like, all right, the Texas OU experience is real after all. And this I already what know what about. happened to that guy. The 11 a.m. Yeah. kickoff, he thought he could stay up all night and be good in the morning without going to sleep, and that can't happen. Don't do that if you're going there. Get some sleep. <laughs> yes, as Rod can attest, don't sleep in your car. Don't sleep in the, the car. night before. Not why. You might get arrested. All right, so <laughs> it's time, time to get predictions, guys. We talked about the line of scrimmage. I, I, Tom Herman's record, we know his record in big games, how he prepares the team for big games. And I'll give a little piece of inside information. In the post-game press conference at K-State, the visiting media room was right next to the visiting locker room. Like, you open a door, you're in the locker room. Mm-hmm. And we could hear Tom Herman tell the team clearly, you came to Texas to win games like next week. Not that it's cool to play in them. You came here to win games like this. I think this team's going to be inspired. I'll wait and give my prediction last, but Matt, We'll start with you. Yeah, I think it's going to be another game that goes under. The last two Texas games gone under. Texas is one and not covered on both of them. This time I think Texas covers close game, but eventually ends up losing 27-24. What is our spread this week? Uh, it's uh, seven, seven and a half yeah, right now. Seven. Okay. Yep, over under 60. Yeah. What say you, Rod? I like uh, that half if you can get the half. Well, like, I mean, I Tom Herman's teams are really good as an underdog, so it'll be a good game. I know that. Uh, I, I'm worried about the the Texas defensive backs giving up big plays in a passing game. That's my real my big concern. And Kyler Murray's dual threat ability. Uh, I I think I think it might be too much for Texas. Uh, I think that they, that they score, you know, around third, man, maybe maybe 31 points, and maybe Texas uh, scores about 20. Six points, something like that. Thirty-one like twenty-six. Score a couple years ago. Yeah, I'll take Oklahoma thirty-one twenty-six. They don't light Texas up, but too many big plays in the passing game. Going into the season, I said Texas. My bold prediction for the year on the side at Horns twenty-four-seven was Texas will beat USC and OU. And I had a dream back in the spring, and I have this dream every spring that usually lets me know what's going to happen. Last year I had a dream that Texas was down like fifty-five nothing. They got down it. twenty to nothing, and they came back and lost. I had a dream this year that Texas won the game. Uh-oh. So for all those things, Uh-oh. Yes. I'm going with a Texas win 31-30 oh, over Oklahoma. Straight up from another I like world. It. I like it. That is awesome. I like it. Yeah, all right. like it. If this vision's That's true, beautiful. man, I'm going to love this. If this vision's true, then everybody's going to be waiting for my dream in the spring to say, hey, hey, what happened to your dream? Did Texas veto you? Were they up? Are they going to win? That is awesome, man. So, I'll be looking forward I had, to your hey, next dream. I wish I had a premonition like that. I'm feeling it, man. I'm feeling it. And you know, you what? know what? Good I, for you. I just... I'll That's be honest. Amazing. I know I'm supposed to be biased. I don't like Oklahoma. I don't like the state <laughs> of Oklahoma. I don't like that stupid covered wagon they drive <laughs> onto the field. I don't like the roughnecks shooting off their guns and throwing fruit at people. Oh, man. So, yeah. in the mortal words of Brian Jones, piss on them. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, you still suck. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod, we appreciate the time and the knowledge. Always fun, brother. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn 104.9, 1019 AM 1260 on the Horn app and at hornfm.com where you can hear Rod B each and every weekday on the Rodcast from 1 to 3. Shameless plug. And thanks to Matt, you get us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, anywhere you get your podcasts and always get our archives on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode.
You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.